problem with the Nazis wasn't simply that their leaders were evil, psychotic men. They were. But the main problem, I think, was the leader principle. What he's saying, Spock, is that a man holds that much power, even with the best intentions, just can't resist the urge to play God. Thank you, Doctor. I was able to gather the meaning. It also proves another Earth's thing. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Darn clever, these Earthmen, wouldn't you say? Yes. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Right. Yes. Bad church leadership in place, not enough structure and accountability, equals pastor that goes off the rails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heard it before. But what if that perspective is wrong? Well, I mean, it's not. But but what if <laughs> what it is? What Ron said is not. Russell Moore recently wrote an article analyzing a new theory about the fact that that perspective could in and of itself be wrong. Hmm. And we will examine that together here and see what we think. The world around us is full of false choices. That temptation to be us versus them, for or against, in or out. But what does it really look like for followers of Jesus to engage in the messiness of life, the gray issues of faith, to truly allow our lives to conform to the gospel? Join us as we try to figure it out. We are the Brian and Janelle Podcast. Hey there, Brian and Janelle podcast listeners. Brian here with a quick item for you before we get to the main content in today's episode. I'm super excited to tell you about a podcast series I created in partnership with Moody Radio that's available now. It's called The Grandfather Effect. And here's the quick backstory. I only have really one strong memory of my paternal grandfather, Tom. And it was when my dad and I were standing shoulder to shoulder in a crowded room right in front of his open casket. And I remember standing there a bit mystified because you see, Grandpa Tom had lived only about 15 miles away from my house growing up. And yet I never saw him. He never talked to me, called me, never came to birthday parties. He was no part of our life. He had disowned my family when I was about three years old. And my family was left with lots of questions. Because from our perspective, the reason he disowned us didn't seem to make much sense. The circumstances were so seemingly trivial, it just didn't add up. So what happened? Well, about five years ago, I decided to try to find out. And that journey became much more complicated than I could have possibly imagined. And I chronicled the entire thing with a recorder in my hand and take you along in the journey. The podcast series is called The Grandfather Effect. Would you consider giving it a listen? I'd be super grateful for your support. And if you like what you hear, maybe you'd be willing to leave a a nice review or even tell a friend about it. All right, let's get back to today's episode. Thanks a lot. So what if that commonly attributed phrase, if power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely, is wrong? I've had a conversation a few weeks ago about how it's even more dangerous than money, which a lot of times Mm -hmm. we feel like it comes together, but there are positions where people just have power. And it's something. So I I think I'm going to go with Ron. I think Russell Moore needs to call Ron. Well, before we go through this this piece, though, if absolute power corrupts absolutely, how do we end up with good leaders? They're the few and far between. 
they didn't realize they had but power. Are they? But are <laughs> <laughs> they were tricked into thinking they're not in charge. No, but I mean, is it really true that most leaders are power-hungry monsters? Most of the good leaders have reins on their power mm-hmm. so that they don't have authoritative dictatorship power, but they have oversight above them that is watching them, that is counseling them, that if need be, will step in and say, hold your horses, buddy. You're just too big for your britches. Yeah. I've known of local situations that have that where like you're a leader, but then there's other parts of the institution that hold different power. So you don't have absolute power. Then I think about marriage as well, where the husband's the leader, but because of, let's say, his accountability to the Lord and he has to submit to the Lord, that's one example where you don't have absolute power. And when men kind of lose it is when they forget that. And so they create absolute power. So I think that's what makes good leaders. What intrigues me about the concept that this idea could be wrong is that in the jobs that we do, we have a really unique role in ministry where we kind of get to, we're, we're not working behind the curtain, but we get to have a long look back there where I've had a chance over the years to interact with some of the country's leading pastors and influencers, right? Mm-hmm. And there's various types. There's some that I would trust with anything because they're the most genuine, wonderful people mm-hmm. in the whole world. And there's others that have fallen that I met before that I'm not surprised. And then there's another category, I think, of church leaders who seem on the surface to have plenty of accountability and good structure, but in practice do whatever they want, yeah. whenever they want, yeah. however they want. And I, I could probably make a list of the people who may be next. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not the ones people would pick. I would love to kind of figure out, is it their fault? Do they see it coming? That's mm-hmm. where this theory comes in. Yeah. So here's what Russell Moore wrote. He said, A famous New Yorker cartoon depicts a flock of sheep grazing before a campaign billboard of a wolf whose slogan is, I am going to eat you. (laughs) Under the frame, one sheep says to the other, He tells it just like it is. Mm. (laughs) Look at him. Isn't that great? Oh, yeah. He says, "I, I wince with recognition whenever I think of that cartoon, knowing that Jesus probably did not have blind allegiance in mind when he called his followers sheep. Still, maybe the message of the cartoon helps explain why we end up with so many terrible people in church leadership. When evangelical Christians point out uncovered scandals or hidden abuse among church leaders, they often quote some version of this line attributed to Lord Acton. Power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. But what if that perspective is wrong? A new book suggests it might be and presents some findings that we as a church should carefully consider. In a book by uh, a guy named Brian Kloss, he's, a, he's got a great first name, and he's a political <laughs> scientist. <laughs> the power is called Incorruptible, Who Gets Power and How It Changes Us. Mm. It's not so much in his theory here that power corrupts, but that corruptible people seek out power. Kloss invokes research showing how people of all kinds of leadership positions tend to express the dark triad, which would be three things narcissism psychopathy and machiavellianism so they're very self-centered they're a little psychopathic 
and they believe that since their ends are really noble, they can do whatever they want to achieve them. Mm-hmm. He argues that abusive people are the ones drawn to power in the first place. What? So how does this man itself manifest itself in church leadership? There's really an intriguing thought here, because Brian Kloss and Russell Moore would propose that there are two types of people that seek out and end up in church leadership. Mm-hmm. This is really, really good stuff. We're going to get to it after a break. Hey, it's Brian from the Brian Janelle Podcast. You know, a famous poet named William Joel, better known by the name Billy, once said in a song that if you love a woman, you should tell her about it. Common sense, right? Well, what we're going to do right now in this podcast episode as we pause is ask you to tell someone about it, it being us. If you love this podcast and you've listened to us on a regular basis, we need your help to spread the word. So pick out a friend or two, maybe your mom, your cousin, your uncle, whoever it is, tell them about the Brian and Janelle podcast. That's one of the best ways for people to find out about great content online. Would you do it? We'd be so grateful. Thanks a lot. Back to the show. You know, it's been a sad couple of years as we see those in church leadership fall from grace. It's one of the uh, catch-22s of everybody gets a platform and we get every piece of news whenever we want it right in front of us. It's that you can't hide very well anymore. Right. It's good and bad. But anyway, here we are. Mm -hmm. And many people have walked away from church leaders falling by quoting the common line, power tends to corrupt and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, political scientist Brian Kloss and Russell Moore from Christianity Today tend to wonder if that perspective is wrong. As in, Kloss argues that research shows that in all kinds of leadership positions, essentially, abusive people are the ones drawn to power in the first place. Like, if you already have these tendencies to be abusive and corrupt, you can't wait to get power. Yeah. So you, you seek it out. Now, to start with, we are all sinners. So we're all corrupt to some degree. Right. Yeah. But there are nuances within that. Some who really try to do good, even in spite of their sin nature, mm-hmm. and others who maybe try to get power or try to elevate themselves, even to the point they're fooling themselves saying, well, I'm doing this for a good cause. It's like, it's for your own good that I do this. And that's the nuance, Ron, I think that is the hard one to grasp, but I think you nailed it because if you listen to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, that seems to be what happened to Mark Driscoll. Like he really did at the beginning of Good Intentions. I wanted to be Mark Driscoll at the beginning. He would do things like bring bags of groceries into a single mom's house. Yeah. You know, he and his wife would deliver food for him because he knew she wouldn't have enough to make it. Yeah. And I thought, man, what a godly man that is. No wonder people flock to his church. And then towards the end, he took that and it just kind of became Machiavellian. Like, yeah. I've got this vision and we need to achieve it. Mm-hmm. And if that means throwing you off the bus and running you over, which is one of his quotes, like a paraphrase of it, uh, so be it. So the question becomes, did he already have the propensity to have that dark triad Mm -hmm. that the author talks about of narcissism, psychopathy, and Machiavellianism? It just didn't manifest itself yet. He had, had those things already in him. What I don't like about that theory is that it, it makes us think that we're good. You know, so as you approach certain positions, you can think, oh, I don't have those tendencies, so I'm good. And I think 
all of us are vulnerable. I would rather think of power as like intoxicating. And I think anybody in that position, like sin, you gradually kind of get there. And if you're not careful, once you're there, I think we're all vulnerable to become that person. And yet, I'm not totally there with you yet. And I'll explain more in a second. But think about the job of president of the United States. Most people would say, I don't want that job. That's a terrible job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. People examine every inch of your life from beginning to end. Everyone's out to get you. You're in charge of no matter who a you are. whole lot of stuff. You're in charge. You, you are the head of state and yeah. you are also, which is like the representative of America to the world. Yeah. Right. But you also are the, the chief legislator in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like you are the, the executive. You're the one running it. Yeah. Every day, all day, you live at your office. Mm-hmm. But pastor, it's the same way if you think about it. P- people who don't know what it means to be a pastor are like, oh, it's so cool. You get to write a sermon all week and then speak. Not even close. So the article goes on to say, consider what many expect of pastors and other church leaders. The ability to be expert exegetes or like expert preachers, understanders of the word, social theorists, political practitioners, skilled CEOs, innovative entrepreneurs, as well as Christ-like example. Who looks at that list of qualifications and concludes, yep, I'm the person for the job? (laughs) Yeah, it would take a lack of humility. (laughs) Right. To, to look, right. I mean, if you see what pastors are expected to not just be with the dying, but be mm-hmm. the best preacher in town, run an organization, deal with complex people, who says like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah. I got all that. So mm-hmm. I think that's his point, right? So the answer to that, according to the author, the political scientist and Russell Moore, is the answer is twofold. There's two types of people that say, yes, I'm the person for the job. Mm-hmm. People with a strong sense of calling. And those with an urge for power. One of the two. You either are like, wow, I don't really want that job. I don't think I'm qualified for it, but I think the Lord wants me to do it. Mm -hmm. And the people who are like, oh yeah, I could do that. Right? So when calling outweighs the thirst for power, the results can be very good. But when the will to power is stronger, the results can be terrible. That's the theory. Mm. But... Does it hold up? I mean, what, what do we make of this? And then even Russell Moore goes as far as to say, here's how we can find the best leaders then. Josie in Chesterland, what are your thoughts? So I have also listened to the Mars Hill podcast, and it's sort of unbelievable at some points. But yeah. then if you think about like Robbie Zacharias, it's kind of, you know, it's a replaying of things. But yeah. Janelle, what you said hit the nail on the head. That scenario is in all of us, whether you are you know, behind the wheel of your car or a mom trying to help her kids with obedience. Yeah. That power that you have and that ability to hide what is actually happening. When I said it on the phone earlier, it came out much better. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think it sounded uh, great. No, it just sounds, yeah, it sounds great. <laughs> but I just feel like even in the scenario of something that's wrong in a family, like generational wrong, if you know what I mean, yep. there's a structure that's built around that person who chooses to do that thing and everyone helps hide it because they don't help dig it out. So like you get an inkling of something isn't right and no one's talking about it, which is why some people have posted, this is gossip, you know, on that Mars Hill podcast, this is gossip, this is terrible, I don't know why you would do this, but it actually is helpful because when you bring that kind of structure that protects a leader that hides himself, he just drops people and says, this is how it happened and he paints it in a different light. Like our instinct is to want to believe someone is telling us the truth. 
there were a lot of people that, that, that would say discussing those who fall is gossip. Sadly, then, the entire Old Testament primarily is gossip then. Yeah. Oh, right. good point. And I like that Josie, <laughs> Josie also mentioned, as we could all be vulnerable to this, throughout the podcast, there were moments that he would ask, mm-hmm. what in us could bring us to become this right. person? And I like how Josie said, it could even happen in the home. Like you, mm-hmm. I think as a believer, you constantly have to check yourself to stay in a position of humility, because I think... That can rise up. Pride rises up. But at the same time, I think what the political scientist here, Brian Kloss, is indicating is that there are people with the sin tendencies mm-hmm. towards narcissism, psychopathy. And, yeah, yeah. And so they seek power in order to self-benefit. Yeah. As in what they're presuming is we all have various sin proclivities. Do you struggle with same-sex attraction, Janelle? Yeah. Well, no. No, don't. you don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, but but other do. people do, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so it's, it's the idea that, yes, there could be people yeah. who tend to be narcissists, and therefore they seek out positions of power in the yeah. church because that's their sin proclivity. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And now, disaster ensues. That reminds me, I have a, a dear friend who's a pastor now, and he, he started off as a speaker, and we've talked about our tendencies because I'm packaged in a similar way. We speak for a living. And he was talking about how we struggle taking, both of us struggle taking people's approval. You know, like you always care about what people think. And then he mentioned that he was like, I think people who are packaged with this, like certain gifts struggle with those kind of pride issues. So you got to keep them in check just by definition because of how your gift works. So maybe that's connected to this well yeah at the same time i don't think you would struggle with that kind of power issue if you're worried about people liking you because a narcissist doesn't care they think people don't like them or just dumb yeah (laughs) wouldn't that be nice i'm saying for a moment to just be like i don't care what nobody thinks this is what i'm gonna do and what you're gonna do it'd be nice but it could be dangerous you (laughs) see it could be absolutely so what do we do with this idea and is it true, as we talk about whether or not the, the, the idea that absolute power corrupts absolutely isn't necessarily true? Sometimes people who are tended toward narcissism are attracted to church leadership. Yeah. What do we do with this information? I think without the right system in place and accountability, I still want to believe that we're all vulnerable because I just think pride is real in all of us. So I think power will just reveal corruption that's already in all of us. And I know that some people have a propensity, but it reminds me of um, something an older person told me about one of my kids. All my kids got issues. They're all little sinners that love the Lord and God saved them. So I'm not even going to reveal who it is, but one of them had a a constant struggle with lying. And I tried everything and it was like always coming up. And an an older woman, mom, told me because I was just like what do I do to fix this and then she said you may never fix this he may struggle with lying for the rest of his life and just you may teach him how to control it and so even though some people are like this child may or may not have a propensity for that I may not but I we still lie some people are addicted to sex that doesn't mean I can't fall into years and years of sexual sin. So that's where I'm saying with power, some have a propensity, but I think we're all capable and all vulnerable to being corrupt leaders, whether in the home, in our jobs, or in churches. I think so. But a person who has a real strong sense of humility and their yeah. their spiritual position in life and their depravity, 
I think is less likely to end up a disaster. But you know mm-hmm. why, though? Because a person with humility will know. I constantly have to remind myself that I can only do this because of the Lord. Who am I being yeah. accountable to? So that person would know. Let me set up the right systems so that I don't fall prey to pride and corruption. I think they would just do that. And the, the tragedy is that so many believers slowly slip into like a works righteousness kind of faith where they think, well, I've been saved for so long and look at how great I'm doing. Yeah. They lose sight of their own depravity. Yes. That oh, yeah. kind of person yes. is going to end up in a major problem Absolutely. if they're in church leadership. But how many people do that? I mean, you've got to preach the gospel to yourself every day every to remind yourself who you are day. in position with the Lord, that you are a wretched sinner. You don't deserve anything. And he died for you anyway. That's right. Yeah. The only issue I end up having with this overall framework by this political scientist and Russell Moore is Russell Moore's conclusion is, well, then what we should do is look for the people who don't want the job and those are the people we should make the leaders. Mm. And I'm like, well, but is that even possible? So we need a new pastor. Let's call committee. You'll take applications. Be sure to give the person the job that doesn't apply for it. (laughs) Yeah. Because they don't want it. It's a church. So wouldn't you be observing people that are like small group leader? I mean, you're observing. So you would know about them even if they don't apply. If you're promoting from within, so to speak. Yeah. In fact, uh, the church I attend did just that, believe it or not. They were an elder-led congregation for many years and just felt called that um, if the Lord wanted them to have a full-time like lead pastor, they would, that, that person would be called from within and it would be undeniable for all the elders to agree that's the case. And it happened just a few months ago. It's a beautiful thing to watch, believe it or not, because it's that idea, right? That nobody said, I want the job. Mm -hmm. Everybody looked around and said, I think this person's called to the job. And we see examples of that throughout history. I know Dr. King early on, he was not like, hey, I'll do this. I'll be the leader. Like he was a little hesitant. You see it in the Bible with Moses. Yeah, God picks those people consistently. But he's God, right? So we don't have that foresight. It's a challenge. It is a challenge. And because also, you know, someone who's a narcissist might even feign the whole like, oh, I don't want this job. I wouldn't be good at it. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's true. <laughs> you know? But then, like you said, we don't we do not do that. You just said, like, we don't pick that person. That's the other part of this, of how we create this corruption. We like the people that are like, I can do this. I got this. We I do. got that. Like, leadership in yes. our minds, even believers, is about, even though we don't call it that, the cutthroat, the are you aggressive, are you ambitious? Type so, A. Yeah, so we create what then we want to look at fall. We created that that's part point. partly. That's, that's a really good point, Janelle, because it it reminds us that we can't just point at the at the pastor and say it's your fault. Yeah, we contribute to it. Yeah, and our desire for the type of person that really is a little bit more like a chief executive yes. than a humble shepherd. Yeah, I don't know if we want that, don't we? Yeah. We're like the people of Israel saying, "Give us a king! Give us a king!" Yes. Oh yeah. Oh goodness! Isn't it amazing. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this episode. Don't forget, if you like what you hear on a weekly basis, we'd be grateful for your ratings and reviews wherever you listen. And also subscribe so you get the latest episodes. Follow us wherever you are on social media and search for us online. We're at brianandjanelle.org. Don't miss our weekday morning show with conversations just like this. You can listen on the Moody Radio mobile app or again at our website, 
brianandjanelle.org. Special thanks to the talented team of individuals who tirelessly put together this podcast every week, Josue Villa, Mike Reynolds, and Ron Eastwood. The Brian and Janelle Podcast is a production of WCRF Moody Radio Cleveland. Until next time, we're Brian and Janelle.